there'll come a time in every entrepreneurial journey where you'll hit a wall, right? Or at least you come to a crossroads where you will have to very clearly make a choice. And that choice, as far as I'm concerned, that choice is going to be to either break down and burn out and try and carry on doing what you're doing on your own and do just that, just burn out. Or you're going to look to build your team. Because if you look at any world-class entrepreneur that's out there, Donald Trump, Richard Branson, Mark Cuban, all these guys, the reason why they've become so ridiculously successful is because of the fact that they surround themselves with great people and they build up their team. Welcome to Starve the Doubts. I'm your host, Jared Easley. Our co-host today is Michael Good from Rise365.com. Hi, Michael. Hey, Jared. Nice to be with you today. Thanks, man. We're fortunate today to have Chris Ducker return to the show. Chris Ducker really does not need an introduction, but for those of you who do not know, he's the author of the new book, Virtual Freedom, How to Work with Virtual Staff to Buy More Time, Become More Productive, and Build Your Dream Business. Chris is known as the virtual CEO and regarded as the number one authority on the subject of virtual staffing and personal outsourcing. He's a serial entrepreneur who owns and operates several businesses in the Philippines with hundreds of employees, including a call center, a recruitment consultancy, and a co-working space to support local startup entrepreneurs. Chris, we we are happy as Larry. Welcome back. Thanks, man. That guy sounds way cooler than I actually am. <laughs> I just want to clarify that intro is the best intro I've had in a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, man. And I am happy to see you back. Another thing that makes me happy is recently I was looking at your Instagram feed and you had a picture from your childhood and it was unlike any other picture I've seen of you. I was wondering if you'd just touch on that for a moment. Yeah, because I have hair. That's why. I'm like, <laughs> there's nothing more to it. For those listening and haven't seen the photo, there's, that's it. There's nothing more to it at all. It's just that I've got a lot of hair, actually. And if you see me now, obviously, it's, well, that's not the case. You've opted not to, to have hair. So. <laughs> yeah, that's it. All good. <laughs> Chris, normally when I have someone on the show, I ask them about concerts. You know, I talked about that the last time you're on. But I was wondering, have you been to any good concerts in the last year? Um, concert, you know, it's tough over here in the Philippines, right? Because not that many sure. people come to town. I tell you what I did. When I was over in the U.S. last time, which was in January, I went to see the Michael Jackson Cirque du Soleil show at the nice. Mandalay with uh, Scott Stratton. And his wife, Allison, and me and Urs went along. So it was a double date. And we went to see the Michael Jackson One show there at the Mandalay Bay, which was just amazing. Like it was probably the, in fact, there's no probably about it. It was the one and only Vegas show that I could have walked out of the door, turned around, walked back in and watched it straight away again. I mean, it was wow. that good. It was really, really good. So if you're a Vegas visitor, you've got to go to the Mandalay Bay and check that show out. It was great. Absolutely. And you've seen Michael Jackson in person at Wembley, right? Yeah, I've seen him like four times in concert. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, and I'm a, yeah, I'm a big MJ fan. And the best part of this whole thing in Vegas was that Billie Jean came on about halfway through the show. And it was just a mix. At first, it was just a mix of video highlights of Michael performing it live. And I was like, you know what? They're doing this right. There's no performers on stage. It's just the video screen. They're leaving it alone. This is his number. It's like when I see cover bands in restaurants and bars and clubs and stuff doing Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. Like, <laughs> leave that alone. <laughs> Don't go there. You know what I mean? 
so I'm thinking to myself, I'm thinking, good, they're leaving it alone. They're leaving it alone. I don't let the performer screw it up. And then boom, out of nowhere, and I won't spoil it for anybody that ends up going to see it, but out of nowhere, okay. the performers come out of literally everywhere, all over the theater. The only thing that could have made it better it was literally if MJ was on the stage doing the moonwalk. It was a great, it was a great show, really good show. You know, Chris, you're talking about performances, and I can't help but say this. Your performance as a public speaker and someone who gives presentations has has just blown up because I actually tried to go see you at New Media Expo, and I couldn't even get in the room. There were so many people. There was not enough space for me to get in there. That was a disappointment for me, but congrats to you, man. You've taken your speaking to another level. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. It's something that I'm upset that you didn't get the chance to come to see the <laughs> talk because it was a really... And I'm not just saying this because I was a guy presenting, but it was a really good one. It was a great crowd. But yeah, I heard that about five minutes after I started, they literally just wouldn't let anybody else in. I mean, there was something to do with fire hazards or regulations at the casino or something like that, which was a shame. But I mean, yeah, it was a great crowd and it was a good session. And, you know, it's funny. We had a film crew come in and actually film that in its entirety. And the first thing they did was they cut together like a two-minute sort of trailer type thing, which is now sitting on my speaking page on my blog. And since that's gone up, I've had an incredible amount of invites to go to other events and actually perform that exact same keynote again. So it looked like it struck a number of chords for a number of people, which is awesome because that's obviously exactly what I'm going for. Good for you. Let's go on to finish this sentence, and I'm actually going to pass the torch over here to our co-host, Michael Good. Yeah. Hey, Chris. So first off, just congratulations. Speaking of conferences, congratulations on the announcement that you're speaking at the Pro Blogger Conference. Yeah, you guys are hot on that. That The official announcement was just made today, so you're hot off the press well and truly on that one. I found out about, I think probably about two weeks ago, I got the invite. So yeah, you guys are bang on the money with that one. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to going down under and sharing a few things with the Aussies. I love Australians. They're great fun. That's great. So here, finish this sentence. If you ever visit Australia. If I ever visit Australia, they better be ready. (laughs) (laughs) They better be ready. I got one for you. This is another finish this sentence, Chris. When my book hits the New York Times bestseller list, I will... Do a Google Plus hangout dressed as Bruce Lee from the Game of Death. <laughs> I got to find the yellow cat suit now, but if it happens, I'll be happy and en- I'll be happy enough to hunt the thing down. <laughs> I believe that is very likely. Love it. Well, quick, I'd be lying if I said that I wouldn't want it. Every business author wants the best-selling book. Every author, period. I mean. Uh, it would be great. Whether it happens or not is a whole different ballgame. It's not an easy feat. And the more people I speak to, the more reality kicks in that it's not that easy to do. But mm-hmm. who knows, man? Who knows? We've got four offers on the book. So obviously, if four different publishing houses believe that it should be printed, hopefully, whatever, 20,000, 30,000 people will in the first week that it launches as well <laughs> with a bit of luck. Sure. So, Chris, what would you say? What does it actually take to hit the, the New York Times bestsellers list? I think first and foremost, it takes a really good platform. You're going to be under an incredible amount of competition, regardless of what book you write, when you launch it, how many pages it is, whatever. It doesn't matter. I think you know the publishing world has changed a lot 
in the last 10 years, particularly the last five years with Kindle and everything being the way it is. And everyone's got a book in them, right? And mm -hmm. everybody's writing books now. <laughs> so it's becoming tougher, I think. Mm. And like I said, you know, I've spoken with a lot of people that have hit, say, New York Times or Wall Street Journal, or USA Today, whatever. I've spoken with a lot of people in the last year that have hit those lists. And pretty much all of them say that it's all about your personal platform and it's about the platform of others. So in other words, influencers. So, you know, what I've done, what I am focusing on doing in, you know, between now and when the book comes out and also after the book, obviously, is to really focus on my own platform properly, first and foremost, more than anything else, because these are people that have been following me in one capacity or another for years now. So that's my primary focus is my own platform. And then right after that is the platform of other influencers. And I have to be honest and say I feel remarkably blessed to be in the position that I am in regards to that because I have some very, very influential friends and people that have taken everything they do to a whole new level online in business, blogging, podcasting, you name it. And so, you know, and these are friends that I've had for years. You know, I haven't become buddies with them over the last 90 days just to get a pitch for my book. These are people that I've known for a long time. And, you know, our friendships have evolved over the time that I've been active online now, which is just over four years. So, yeah, I feel blessed that I've got the network that I've got. And you can bet your butt I'm asking for favors. This is my time sure. to ask. One of those influencers, Pat Flynn, said that exact thing to me. This is your time to ask. It's a book. It's a real book. It's not a 50-page a Kindle book. This is a real book that's going to be on the shelves in Barnes & Noble. And this is your time to ask. And if you don't ask, you won't get. And so uh, I've been asking. <laughs> Simple as that. Hence the fact yeah. that I'm on this show again, <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, and we appreciate that. Chris, we will talk about some of the, the stuff that's actually in virtual freedom. And one of the first questions we have is if you'd be willing to talk a little bit about building a team and why that's important. And then that person that's sitting on the fence that's saying, you know, when's the right time to do that? I have stuff going on, but I'm not clear on the right time. So why is it important to build a team and the right time on building a team? There will come a time in every entrepreneurial journey where you'll hit a wall, right? Or at least you come to a crossroads where you will have to very clearly make a choice. And that choice, as far as I'm concerned, that choice is going to be to either break down and burn out and try and carry on doing what you're doing on your own and do just that, just burn out. Or you're going to look to build your team. Because if you look at any world-class entrepreneur that's out there, Donald Trump, Richard Branson, Mark Cuban, all these guys. The reason why they've become so ridiculously successful is because of the fact that they surround themselves with great people and they build up their team. This is where businesses are made as far as I'm concerned. And I've been in business for a long time now and you know I have three different businesses and every single time I start a new business, the first thing I try and do is start looking at breaking down the individual roles on a day-to-day -day basis and then going out and finding people to run those roles for me and or rather fill those roles for me so that I personally don't have to run the business. Um, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I am fundamentally a crappy manager, right? I've said this a number of times, but what I am really, 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 really good at is delegating and inspiring. And if I can delegate and inspire to the right people, 
It just so happens that I become a good manager. And I've been blessed by creating amazing teams in the businesses that I work with. So I wouldn't be where I am today without people around me, the, you know, my team, both physically within my facility and virtually as well. Uh, and I love building teams. I love building businesses first and foremost. That's my number one stimulus. But if I can get the opportunity to inject three or four people into a project right out of the gate, knowing full well that because of their skill sets, their experiences, their personalities, just their overall vibe, that they can bring an incredible, incredible amount of true value to that project or that business. I know that I'm off with a running chance straight out the gate because we all know, you know, 98% of small businesses or whatever it is fail. Bet your bottom dollar that you've got a, a genuinely solid opportunity and chance to be able to beat the odds there. And it's just a lot easier to do it with the right team in place. That's great, Chris. Yeah. And one of the things that's so great about what you're doing is you have both the traditional business where you or you have a traditional bricks and mortar building with the team. I think you have close to 300 people working there. But then you have all these virtual workers as well, like you just touched on. I think that's unique, you know, in a lot of people, especially in the online space to have both of that and have that perspective. So could you talk a little bit about some of the pros and cons of both virtual team and a local team? And, you know, is there one that's better than the other? Uh, yeah, it's a great question. I, I don't think there's one that's better than the other. You know, the fact of the matter is, yes, I have a brick and mortar business. And because of that, I need people within the facility. And if there is any role that I can utilize staff from outside of that facility, then I go looking for it outside of the facility because the world's huge. Geo-arbitrage is, in effect, we live in a global economy today. If you're kind of pigeonholing yourself as a business owner into one geographic location just because ABC fill in the blanks, then you're doing yourself a massive disjustice because some of the best web developers I've ever worked with in the world are not in the Philippines. Some of the best graphic designers I've worked with in the world are not in the Philippines. Some of the best transcriptionists and video editors that I've worked with are not here in the Philippines. Whereas if I need an operations manager to run a floor of 180 call center staff between the hours of 10 a.m. and 7 p.m., I have to find somebody within the Philippines. You see where I'm going here? So, you know, I don't get the opportunity to pick and choose so much when it comes to an actual physical presence required within my facility. But if I can utilize the skills and the experience level of people that are outside of the Philippines, I do look for it. And that's not to say that you can't find people here in the Philippines, but what I'm saying is you shouldn't focus on one geographical area. There have been several times, several times where I put a job out there or a project out there and you know ended up working with somebody in the Philippines, but that wasn't because I was focusing on this area from a location standpoint. It just happened to be that the right person for that particular job or that role was here all along. But the last web development project I did was the redesign of Virtual Starfinder, and I worked with a team of people over in Switzerland. My transcriptionist lives in the United States. So it's not about necessarily where that person is, or rather what location you should be focusing in on, but more importantly, where's the best person for that role? For me, I'll work with anyone anywhere on the planet. If there was a, a VA on the moon that I thought would be a good fit, I'd hire them. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Whoa, 
for the business owner who's looking to get a VA maybe for the first time, some people have that mindset of, hey, this is inexpensive labor, but what is the best approach and perception for someone who's looking to hire a VA? I think the first thing they've got to work out is what they're going to utilize that VA for. There's basically three different forms of outsourcing. There's the task-based outsourcing, there's the project-based outsourcing, and then there's the team-based outsourcing, which honestly is where I'm a big admin. I'm all about building the team, right? But that doesn't mean that you can't utilize freelancers and project-based workers for the right roles. But I mean, if you're talking about an actual team-based type of VA, the first thing you really need to do is figure out what that person's going to be doing for you because there is no one VA that can do everything, right? I think we might have talked about this when I was on the show last, the whole kind of super VA myth, figuring out who's going to be doing what and things like that. So it comes down to really breaking down your tasks into three different sections, which is one, a list of things you don't like doing, two, a list of things that you can't do, and three, a list of things that as the business owner, you feel you shouldn't actually be doing. Like your time is better spent in other areas of your business, right? So once you break those tasks down into those three lists, so you can then start pooling together all of those different tasks, individual roles. And at that point, you decide the type of person that you're going to hire. Nine times out of 10 for the small business owner, the solopreneur, the online entrepreneur, that usually ends up being a GVA or a general virtual assistant. And then they just carry on building the team from there. Yeah. Okay. Chris, when someone is looking to hire that first person, I know that's how it was for me. You know, I think there's often this strange fear of hiring that first person, especially it's going to be like that third type, the more building a team type relationship. It's not just like, okay, I'm going to get someone to make a logo here, but it's maybe going to be a little bit more of an ongoing relationship. We can have thoughts like, will they do a good job or will they represent my business well or am I going to be able to keep them busy? So what advice would you have for starving the doubts and moving beyond that fear would you have for someone for who's looking to hire that first person? Yeah, I mean, you got to just suck it up. Plain and simple. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's no golden ticket to that question. There really isn't. If you're going to remain that type A micromanaging 16 hour a day work yourself to the bone entrepreneur just because you can't imagine letting go and letting someone else do something or a collection of some things for you, then you're destined for doom anyway, my friend. It's just the way it is. You literally have to let go. That's what Mm. you've got to do. And there's only one way to be able to do that, and it's to physically hire somebody and start working with them, starving the doubts, getting rid of those doubts or erasing those doubts. There's only one way to do it, and it's about letting go and starting to delegate tasks that fall within those three lists, particularly the first couple of lists of not being able to do or just hating doing it, right? I mean, if you create a list of five things on a day-to-day basis that you hated doing, and then I presented you with an opportunity to not do them anymore, but you carried on wanting to do them anyway, you're not going to be a successful entrepreneur. Like you're just not, it's not going to happen. But if you take that golden ticket and you turn around and say, wait a minute, whoa, whoa, you mean I don't need to check my email six times a day? Someone else can do that for me? You mean I don't need to do all my online research? I don't have to book my own flights? I don't have to update my social media several times throughout the course of the day? Someone else can do these things for me? Great, sign me up. If you're that kind of person, 
then success is ultimately going to come your way sooner or later. Chris, Michael has a few people on his team here locally in the U.S., and they provide a direct in-person service to his clients. He has to be careful you know, with who he brings on board because of that. So what should the hiring process look like for the VA, and, and how do you tell if someone is a good fit? Well, I mean, there's three main points, right? There's skill set, okay? So can they actually perform the tasks that you're wanting to fulfill? Secondly is, do they have the relevant actual business experience? So, you know, I'm not talking about just can they do the task, but have they actually done it for other people to a certain extent in the past? But for me, the most important thing is the attitude. If I'm interviewing somebody and I just don't like their vibe and I kind of get the feeling that we're not going to be a good fit together, then I will ultimately not hire that person. I'll always follow my gut. Always. Skills can be learned. Experience can be earned, right? But having the right attitude and the right vibe, that's not something that can be taught. That has to be, you know, that's a personality thing. And so for me, that's really where my focus is. I'm all about bringing on the right people for the right roles. Not necessarily someone can just do the work. But you're right. I mean, you know, there is that fear that they might come on board and screw things up for you. But again, it comes back to sucking it up and trying it and obviously being smart in the way that you try it as well. I mean, you're not going to give the keys to the kingdom within the first week of hiring somebody. It's like, you know, hiring a GVA from America that's in India and giving them access to your PayPal account. Like, what, are you mad? <laughs> like, why would you do that? You know what I mean? Right. So you got to use a little bit of common sense. But, you know, ultimately for me, the attitude is the most important because I can work with a good attitude. Uh, I can't work with a bad attitude. And that's why I hire very, 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 very slowly. And I fire very, very, very fast. I think the longest amount of time I've gone to hire one particular role has been just over three months. And mm. the shortest amount of time that someone's been in my employment was about 20 minutes before I fired them. So I, <laughs> I generally don't mess around when it comes to that stuff. Right. Yeah, cool. So I know communication is very important amongst the team, Chris. And, you know, everyone needs to be on the same page and understand what's going on so you can really get done what needs to get done and avoid all sorts of problems. So what role does communication and getting everyone on the same page, you know, once you get those right people on your team that have that good attitude and are going to do a good job, you're going to work with them well. How can you get everyone on the same page, communicate well, and how can you accomplish all that? Yeah, I mean, the beautiful thing for us is with the world being the way it is today, this has become way easier than what it was two years ago, what it was five years ago and 10 years ago and so on. Software, particularly cloud-based products and services have evolved immensely over the last three to four years just on their own. And so, I mean, everything from project management systems such as Basecamp or Teamwork PM or Asana, Huddle, Hivedesk, you know, these are all cloud-based or web-based project management systems where everyone can work on certain projects and tasks all at the same time via a web portal. You know, that is one way. Another way is to, and I absolutely suggest that this is the case, particularly in the first sort of month or so of working with somebody new, you chat with them daily, very, very much daily on the first month for sure. Put yourself out there as the virtual boss. You can't just expect to pop a pill and have everything work straight out of the gate. It's not going to work like that. Even though the skill set might be there, even though the experience and the attitude might be there, they've never worked for you before. They don't know how you like things done. So you've got to show them. You've got to spend time with them. 
I say, you know, on average, 15 to 30 minutes of genuine focused time every day for the first month is needed to really make a difference long term. And you'll find the more time that your VAs will spend with you as the virtual boss, quote unquote, the easier and the more productive they'll become, the easier it'll be for them to learn how you light things down, the more productive they'll become. And in terms of just getting people together, I'm a big fan. I have two things that I do that I think has revolutionized the way that I manage my virtual team. The first thing was I got us all hooked up on Yammer and we have our own private social networking kind of hub. And it's just like Facebook, but it's enterprise-based social networking. So everybody has to have their own, the same domain name. And that's our virtual water cooler. That's exactly what that is. And it allows us to converse about stuff other than work. Every now and then, a little bit of work will creep into the, you know, the conversation. But ultimately, it is our virtual water cooler. And we'll pop in there every now and then as the course of the day goes on and share photos and jokes and funny videos and generally kind of take a dig at each other every now and then and things like that. And my, trust me, my employees give it to me just as much as I give it to them <laughs> as well. It's a prerequisite. They have to. And I've only been doing that 18 months or so, maybe even not in that long, but it's really changed the dynamic of the team. We're all so much closer now because we have that dedicated space where everybody can just have a laugh and a giggle and a joke. The other thing is that I do group Skype conversations and Google Plus Hangouts quite regularly as well. I would say probably on average every six weeks or so will pop on as an entire team or as close as we can get to the entire team. And we'll have, you know, 20 or 30 minute kind of catch up talks, all very much business related, maybe after a few quick pleasantries, but ultimately all business related. And those two things alone have really made the dynamic of the team much, much stronger. Chris, you mentioned earlier how you're connected to some influential people and you've done an outstanding job of aligning yourself with high achievers. Who are some people that are doing something that interests you? Mm, God, there's a lot. Lewis Howes, School of Greatness. Everything and anything that Lewis is doing currently is turning me on immensely. The guy has just, I'm speechless. He's just amazing. The way he puts his businesses together, the way he markets them, the way he gets everybody to just totally be on his side with everything and anything that he does. Lewis is a, he's a stud. He's a full on stud. And his school of greatness, it's just been amazing to see the way he's unraveled that. It's awesome. So Lewis is right there. Pat, obviously, Pat Flynn uh, from Smart Passive Income, who I know you've had on the show before. You know, Pat is probably my closest friend probably in the world, quite frankly. We've become very, very close in the last four or five years. And he's one of those guys, he calls himself the crash test or the online crash test dummy or something along those lines. That's exactly what he is. And what I love about what Pat does is he really consistently does push the envelope in terms of what he's doing and how he's doing it. And then whether he fails or wins, he tells the world about it. And that garners a massive amount of respect from his peers as well as his fans, obviously. People just fall in love with Pat Flynn more and more and more, over and over and over again, people. I'm the biggest Pat. I actually said he interviewed me, actually, for his podcast last week. And I turned around and said, I'm the biggest Pat fan there is. And if there's anyone out there, <laughs> I dare them to challenge me on Twitter. <laughs> so, you know, and he's my friend and everything. But honestly speaking, he's also doing a great job. So, I mean, Lewis, Pat, you've got other guys like John Lee Dumas, 
just continues to just rip the podcasting world up to shreds. Amy Porterfield with everything that she's doing mastermind-wise and everything now as well. There's just so many people doing so many great things right now. There really is. As we wrap up here, Chris, what is the best place for listeners to pick up their copy of your new book, Virtual Freedom, and stay connected with everything that you're doing online? I mean, pretty much everything I do is run through the blog. So it's just chrisducker.com. The blog is there, obviously. The podcast is there. There is info on the book as well. But we also built a, uh, a dedicated mini site for the book, which is virtualfreedombook.com. Chris, do you have any final thoughts for the listeners? Yeah, everybody should buy the book. <laughs> There's a shameless self-plug right there. No, I think my final thought is that society has made us believe that working 16 hours a day, not working out, having a bad diet, not spending any quality time with our children and our other loved ones equals success. And I call such a massive amount of BS on that. That does not make you a success. That just makes you a more stressed out, fatter, unfitter, poorer father and husband or wife as an entrepreneur. I believe that we are on the cusp of a massive climate change in regards to the way the business is being done and will continue to be done. And I truly do believe that more and more and more businesses are going to go virtual with the way that they really focus in on becoming more productive and building business that's truly profitable and successful. And I think not only virtual workers, but also virtual bosses, virtual CEOs, something I've been calling myself for four years now. I believe that's going to be something of the norm in the next three to five years. And I can't wait to see it all happen. So there's no reason why you can't do it as a business owner. There's no reason that any of your listeners can't do it, whether they're already running their own business or whether they, they've got a side hustle that they're working on that they want to quit their job for in 12 months from now, six months from now, five days from now. It doesn't matter. The fact is you don't need to do those ridiculously long hours. You can buy more time. You can be more productive and you can ultimately build your dream business. And virtual team building is one of the easiest ways to be able to do all that. Chris, thank you again for being on the show. Best wishes to you and your family, your business and your upcoming book launch. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. Skills can be learned. Experience can be earned, right? But having the right attitude and the right vibe, that's not something that can be taught. That has to be, you know, that's a personality thing. And so for me, that's really where my focus is. I'm all about bringing on the right people for the right roles. Not necessarily someone can just do the work. 